Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with the end of Spider-Man, a taco surprise, American Ninja Warrior for kids, new covers and music, a batch of chapters, and a really sleepy recount of a concert. My name is Andrew Logan and let's dive right into it. So this week we cover some ground. I talk about how Spider-Man went. Um, I got this wonderful thing from the Adventure Zone. That's this whole big mystery package thing that I spend a little bit of time talking about later. I get really excited for a brand new show coming out in October that has to do with kids trying to be cool flippy stars. And I got a new cover for you guys. I talk about a concert. Really excited about that. And uh, oh my gosh, there's just a whole bunch, a whole mess of stuff going on in this week's this week's episode. But first, let's uh, let's talk about some uh, some Spidermans. Some, some Spider-Man action. I have just now beaten Spider-Man on the PS4 Marvel Spider-Man. And I loved it. Um, there's a couple of things I want to say about the game. Uh, not spoilery at all if you haven't played it or plan on playing it very soon. But I spent about 40 hours beating the main campaign doing a bunch of side stuff. And there's plenty of side stuff left to do. So I look forward to getting that 100% completion rate on the game a little later on uh, to unlock all the little cool side extras and whatnot. And of course, um, I believe I spoke about this last week, it's got a pretty good schedule coming up for uh, the DLC that you can buy later on or if you got the deluxe edition that will become available later on. So I look forward to returning to Spider-Man time and time again. And I think returning to Spider-Man was always in their plan, especially when it came to writing the story of this game. This isn't something I've seen a lot in video games. You see it a lot in movies, but not a lot in video games. This game is sequel bait as all heck. It, it sets up a lot of stuff that will presumably come about in the second Spider-Man game. Uh, where there's just there's there's a lot of things, especially right there towards the end, where it's like, oh, here's this thing. Oh, here's an after credit scene. Oh, here's this thing that happened in the last 30 minutes of the game. Um, and I'm just like, whoa, that's a lot of stuff to set. Oh, it's for the next game. So I had that thought. It's not a bad thought to have, but it really feels like it's the first half of a story. There's a there's a it's I guess you know what you know what it feels like. It feels pretty comic booky. It, it told the story it wanted to tell, and then throughout the story it was telling, it was setting up the next one. So, you know, I it's not a bad thing, it's just a thing I noticed. What I would consider, uh, uh, air quotes, bad thing, is you spend the majority of the game with one villain, and then kind of slab dash thrown in for the last you know, one quarter of the game, you you deal with like six at the same time. And I kind of get it on one level because the majority of those villains you face aren't enough of a threat to kind of hold their own in terms of being like a big villain. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's spoiler. Like Rhino shows up, Vulture shows up, Electro shows up, and Scorpion shows up. Um, and they're all, they all kind of pop out of nowhere. They're like, hi, it's me. Um, it's kind of like Kingpin in the very beginning. You fight Kingpin as your first mission, and then he goes to jail and never shows up again. At least, um, I don't know, maybe something happens if you hit 100%, but he hasn't shown up yet. He's just been in jail the whole time. And I'm like, Kingpin's a good villain. And Electro's a good villain, and Scorpion's a good villain. I mean, I know they're kind of like a rogues gallery of, we're going to all fight Spider-Man at the same time, but it's like... You know, they're barely there. And one quick little boss fight with each of them, and then they're done. And fucking Vulture and Electro don't even get their own boss fights. You fight them together. Like, ugh. So, that seemed kind of... That seemed like a wasted opportunity. Um, especially with how much setup there was. Like, these characters don't come in until, like, halfway through the game. And then they're dealt with so quickly, it's like, why were we even worried that they were here? Like, fucking Martin... Or, um, Mr. Martin... Martin, man... And, um, you know, the, the other one, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, take up way more of the screen time of the villainy stuff, but you know, whatever. Um, that's, that's all well and good. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I, I think it's, it was a missed opportunity, but it's still a fantastic game. So that's like my one little nitpick. Um, the voice acting was all incredible. I mean, the game itself is phenomenal. 
I really, I really do enjoy it, and I and I enjoy doing all the little side questy stuff to get to 100% completion, especially because there's a suit apparently that you have to 100% complete everything in order to unlock. So, I look forward to doing that, and um, I look forward to the next one. Um, it's curious to see whether they're just gonna pump a bunch of DLC into this game, or if it's gonna be like a year of DLC for Spider-Man One, and then Spider-Man Two comes out, and then. You know, more DLC for that. Because here's the thing. They got the engine and they've got the world all like hammered out and ready to go. All they need to do is come up with the new story. You know, this this game took a while because they were building it from the ground up. Now that now the shit's set, you know? It's all it's all firm and good and all that tasty jam. But now they just need to come out with a second one. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if it wasn't even like a full-blown release. Because straight up, like, the setting and the characters are most likely all going to be the exact same. It's just going to be a new story with new villains and stuff like that. So if it was me, I wouldn't even come out with a fucking $60 game release for Spider-Man 2. I would, I would, like, it'd be like a 40 bucks story pack. And it's like, here's the second one. Here's another 40-hour secondary campaign that you can play with Spider-Man. And that's how I would do it. Because I can't see them... Like we've made New York bigger. You've already ha you already have all of New York. You've got it all. You got you got from Battery Park up to Harlem. What? Oh, here comes Brooklyn. Like what do you? <laughs> what's gonna get thrown in? You know. So that's me. Like it would it would save y'all time if you just came out with like a story pack. All you need to do would be to animate like new villains and stuff like that. Get the voice actors back in. You know. That's how I would do it. If I was in this video game making business, that's how I would do it. But now that I've basically beaten Spider-Man, I'm going to play it on and off for a while now. Get to 100% and get that DLC under my belt, which comes out in October very soon. Very soon, it lands. And the next game I'm very excited for would probably be Cyberpunk 2077. But I don't even think we have a release date on that. And uh, uh, just as a quick one-off, I was thinking about getting the Switch. But now there are so many great games for the Switch in order for me to like fully dive into the switch i'm gonna be spending like over a thousand dollars and you know there's a lot of things i'll do for for like fun but i just cannot justify that at this point in time maybe some maybe some years later down the road i'll pick up the switch and all these fun games and and have at it but it's just like right now it's just like there's so much there's so much i'll be saying this i'll be singing a different tune when that new core pokemon game gets announced next year and we get to see it and all that stuff with the next generation and whatever but for right now i'm just gonna let it slide i'm gonna let it slide i know i don't you know it's not like i'll be spending less money later nintendo shit doesn't lose value ever you go out into fucking target and find like a copy of leaf green still in the box and that son of a bitch is still gonna cost you forty dollars so i don't know but that's just kind of that's just that's where i'm at right now i'd rather spend that money on vacations and food so that's where my head's at. But Spider-Man, I would give it a solid 9 out of 10. There's a couple of things I'd change. I'd give the villains more screen time. Um, I would... God, what else would I change? Oh, uh, just real quick. There's a stinger at the very end. Very end. I don't want to tell you what it is, but if you've been in the game, you know what it is. Um, to my knowledge, this particular event did not occur in any comic book that I'm aware of. Um, and a lot of people are pretty up in arms about it because it kind of comes out of left field. But I'm cool with it. Just kind of like how I'm cool with like the CW DC shows. Like they they kind of take elements of the comic books and do their own thing with it. You know what I mean? And a lot of people don't like that. And I get it completely for Spider-Man. This shit's hallowed ground. Spider-Man is like the most popular superhero for a really long time. Spider-Man and Batman are right at the top. I mean like Superman doesn't even come close. It's, it's always Spider-Man and Batman. Um, and you know, New York is awesome, but I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes in the second game. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and I'm also curious to see where gameplay wise, the sequel goes. Um, like I mentioned before, it's pretty Arkham. It's pretty Batman Arkham, but I mean, it's kind of. I mean, outside of the combat, the games can't really be compared. This is this is an excellent Spider-Man game, and that was and those were excellent Batman games. So, you know, I enjoyed it. 
Let me know what you think about it. Did you play Spider-Man? If not, what did you play? You think, oh, what's, you know, not everybody's playing Spider-Man. I'm playing Spider-Man. So this is a lot of fun. But what else, what else did you play? And if you did play Spider-Man, let me know what you think about it. At gohomecast at gmail.com. And if you didn't play Spider-Man, let me know about it. At gohomecast at gmail.com. What games are you playing? What should I play next? I would love, I would love some video game recommendations. As long as it's not on the Nintendo Switch, because I've already discussed why that is, why that is not happening. But let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So this week, for songs of the week, I've got two vastly different songs, but they're both tied to things that are going on in the right nows. Well, one of them's tied to things going on in the right nows. The other one's just a really excellent song. Uh, so let's talk about the really excellent song first, because that is where this week's cover comes from. It comes to us from the long distant year of 1967, recorded on the album The Way I Feel by Mr. Gordon Lightfoot. That's right. It is Canadian Railroad Trilogy, which is a seven minute rough uh, jam fest about the uh, Canadian railroad industry uh, that was built over the course of many years. Uh, talking about the beautiful natural landscape of Canada that was eventually just kind of torn up to make way for the railroad industry. But um, it kind of has this uh, remnants of maintaining the beauty of Canada while it's progressing time-wise with a respect to the nature and stuff like that. And um, it's a really great song. I always love songs that tell, like, a story, you know? Like, if there's, a, if there's an overarching theme to it and the characters are described as such in this amazing song and it, it's done really well, the song itself is beautiful and it's always been one of my favorites. I've always been a big fan of this song because... It's a song I can actually play on the guitar, which for me is rare. I'm not not that great at the guitar, but I'm I'm getting better. So here is a little snippet of Canadian Railroad Trilogy, sung by yours truly. But time has no beginnings and the history has no bounds. As to this verdant country, they came from all around. They sailed upon the waterways and they walked the forest tall. Built the mines, the mills, and the factories for the good of us all. I did my best. I want that to be made absolutely clear. I could do the whole song if I really wanted to, but it's seven minutes and, you know, we don't need to listen to the entire song in the podcast. Maybe someday I'll do a whole cover in the podcast, but not today. The next song I want to talk about is kind of a toss-up. And I think I know which way I'm going to go. But uh, as of recording this, I have yet to see the concert I'm going to tonight. So by the time you guys hear this, I would have seen these guys play live. Uh, this song comes to us from the long distant year past of 2015 by a band called Glory Hammer off their second album, Space 1992, Rise of the Chaos Wizards. The song I have chosen from that particular album is Universe on Fire. Now, there's a lot of great songs on this album. Indeed, I based an entire D&D campaign off of one of them. But I do like Universe on Fire because it has this kind of air of... um, it, It's like an empowering song. You know, I want to set the universe on fire. Feel it burn tonight. Um, There's no end in sight. Bring me to the holy... It goes on and on. But it's just like... Oh man, it's just like I wanna, I wanna watch the universe burn with how awesome I am. That kind of, that kind of mentality, and it digs deep, and oh, I love it. It's um, it's also, it starts off as I, I guess it'd be the air quotes ballad of the album. The whole album is phenomenal. It's very strong in the uh, the power metal vibe, and it is also very funny at times. Um, like the whole album starts off in the in the distant future of the year 1992. War has returned to the galaxy. And then it goes off into some big, like, orchestrals. And, ah, oh, it's great. I love it. It's it's a phenomenal album. And I'm, I'm very excited to see um, uh, my my songs, my favorite songs off this album played live before me. Uh, Glory Hammer only really has two albums, but they're both really good. So if you like that genre even a little bit, these albums are worth sinking your teeth into. And uh, fun little tie-ins. The keyboardist from Glory Hammer is the lead singer and main songwriter of Alestorm, the pirate heavy metal band that everybody knows and loves. So, you know, little, little circles within circles there. But uh, you can listen to Universe on Fire and Canadian Railroad Trilogy in their entirety as recorded on the original studio albums at the Going Cast Song of the Week playlist featured on Spotify and on my website at goingupcast.com. If you have a song that you want to recommend for Song of the Week, well, there's a whole bunch of things you can do now. You can email me at goingupcast.gmail.com. You can send me a message on the goingupcast.com contact page with the little subsection of Song of the Week. 
And if you have a song that you want to cover for Song of the Week, feel free to send that in at gongocast.gmail.com. I'll slap it right into the podcast. I'll talk about who you are, if you got things to plug, whatever. We'll just, we'll do it all. I'll be like, here's so-and-so, and they've recently done all these things. Here's the song they like. And we'll just listen to it and jam on it, and it'll go up on the playlist, and it's going to be incredible and awesome. And I, I look forward to the day when uh, when we can just do that as like a standard and I won't have to cover songs anymore. I still might. I, I do enjoy it. It's a fun creative challenge. But I would love to hear your voices mixed in with mine and we'll be this kind of chorus of chaos, which is now going to be trademarked. Chorus of chaos. There we go. T-shirts eminent. Thank you very much. And let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hey, gang. It is I, me, and uh, I just got out of, a, of another concert, except this time it's over much earlier in the night, and I would be on the highway going home if I didn't take the wrong turn. And now I'm pretty deep in the city of Seattle, which is unfortunate, but I, I know where I'm going now, so all I need to do is go in a straight line and then take a right onto a road, and then take another right onto the road I wanna be on, and then bish bash bosh, I'm off, off to home. So that's the idea at least. Uh, but tonight I went and saw Ale Storm Glory Hammer Zero Down and some band called Stoned Traveler Goat Fuckers. I don't remember what the name was. But um, stayed for a couple of songs of Glory Hammer and then bailed. I like Ale Storm as much as anybody, uh, but they're not really a band on EDC Live and certainly not at El fucking Corazon. I, I do not, I, I talked about this last week. I do not like that venue. It is a bad venue. It is bad because there's no room to breathe and everybody's taller than you. I don't care how tall you are, everybody is taller than you. So I swear I've seen that guy before. Interesting. Um, not aware. He looks like somebody I should know. So anyway, turning right down this street. Excellent, and I want five north, which is here. Cool, I did it, I did it, gang. I found out how to highway. And now, can I just, so no turn on red. So I'm not, I'm not gonna do what that person just did. I'm gonna obey the fucking signs and go when it tells me to. So that's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play it safe. Don't need to die in a car accident tonight. That'd be bad. You may be asking why is that bad, but it'd be bad, because I don't want to die. I have so much more podcasting to tell. I want to talk about the concert just once I'm on the highway and I can focus a bit more on my storytelling. Uh, I am now on the on-ramp, so here we go. So, the first band was promising. Like, they come out with an upright bass and a violin, and I'm like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm into it, I'm into it, let's see, let's see if you got the chaps. And they were kind of bluesy, folky metal kind of jam. Um, they're not, not too far off from like guys with rolled up uh, sleeves and those beards with like the, the, like the London cabbie driver hats and the pipes and all that kind of jazz, you know, like fisticuffs style music. Um, they were all right. Kind of, kind of boppy, you know, a little bit of head bouncy, but nothing, nothing too legit, nothing too, uh, nothing too to write home about either. They were fine. Um, and we were standing in the bar area this time. So instead of being right up against the stage, I was there with, a, with my brother and a friend of mine. And um, it, was, it just was like, you know, I knew that there'd be room to breathe in the bar area. So that's where we, we kind of hung out for most of the night, not all the night. We stayed there for the first two bands and then we thought there'd be more room on the other side of the venue, which I guess in hindsight was kind of an error because we get to the other side of the venue well, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I'll get to that here in a second. I'm going to have to fucking... Uh, I'm going to go behind this oil oil tanker because I don't want to take the 405 to Bellevue. And then I'm going to cross over again. There we go. And I'm going to accelerate. And there we go. Past this giant oil truck. Still only going like 60 miles an hour, so no trouble there. Anyway, we... Uh, we see the first band and they're fine, and the second band is named Zero Down. And I swear I've seen these guys before. The big, the big lead singer is like this big bald dude with like this high-pitched like Rob Halford screaming voice. I'm like, this sounds really familiar. And um, you know what? Props where props are due. 
they were really good. The sound balancing was awesome. You could hear everything the lead singer was saying, which is stunning in that place. Like, he knows how to sing in this venue. He's clearly done it a lot. But uh, he, he actually put on a pretty decent show. And most of his lyrics were about video games. So I'm like, all right, all right. I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing. He sang this one song. Um, I forget what it was called, but he said Raccoon City. And I'm looking at my brother and I'm like, did he say Raccoon City? And my brother nods. And then he goes on and he's like, get the key. Unlock the door. Found the green herb. Stuff it in your face and get health points. And I'm like, dude, you're just describing what Resident Evil 2 is like. And I'm like, that's fine, oh, whatever. And then he played another song called Die Wasted, and that was all about Grand Theft Auto. So I'm like, all right, video game songs. I like it. It's kind of like um, Power Power Glove. They do like heavy metal covers of video game themes and stuff like that. So they're pretty good. You know what? Credit where credit is due. I might even listen to them later. Um, out of all the shit opening bands I've seen in the last two weeks, they were the best. Um, although technically, Glory Hammer was an opening act for Ailstorm, so I might have to give it to Glory Hammer because. God damn, even though I only saw a couple of songs, because I wanted to hear, once again, I want to hear my favorite song, and then that's it, that's all I need. Um, they were awesome. I saw bits and pieces of, um, of their performance, and I, I tried to record the audio a little bit, just to like play a snippet on here. Um, I don't know if it turned out well or not. If it did, I'm gonna play it here. <laughs> just nothing there so also the podcast goes up tomorrow morning and it's like almost 10 o'clock at night so i might just say fuck it and move on um and not get the audio but who knows who knows what you're gonna hear i don't i don't i'm driving home right now um but uh but yeah they were very theatrical um lead singer was killing it like he does on the albums i'm, I'm a real big fan of glory hammer they played legend of the astral hammer which is my favorite song that they've that they've put out um, I got a t-shirt for Glory Hammer, didn't get one for Ailstrom because I knew I wasn't staying till Ailstrom. Um, in reality, it was pretty good we, when uh, we left when we did because my brother had parked in a garage that was like closed at 10. So if we stayed much later, he probably wouldn't have been able to get out in time. Um, I'm hoping he did. I'll find out uh, later that he got out in time. But I got to see my buddy who I haven't seen in a super long time. She's super sweet. She's the best. Um, and uh, this was her first metal show. So I'm glad, I'm glad I was there to be a part of it. Um, I'm hoping that this isn't the last metal show. I hope I didn't like, you know, just discourage her from the genre. It's an incredible genre. I was telling her at the concert actually that um, metal is the number one listened to music genre in the world, according to Spotify. And I know a lot of people out there are gonna like, not, you know, ah, that can't be true. You know, I listen to top 40 stuff and blah, 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 blah pop music. And I'm like, pop music is popular, but in terms of sheer number of people listening to shit, metal's number one. Metal, by, by sheer quantity of people who listen to it, metal is the most popular genre in the world. And it's not really fair for other music genres. Like country music, you get like, you get country music. E EDM has a lot of variety. There's like house and all that subsection shit. But metal has subsections on subgenres on on so many levels. There's so much metal. There's screamo metal and folk metal and power metal and symphonic metal and doom metal and black metal and heavy metal and hard metal and uh, new metal and uh, just industrial metal. It just goes on. There's there's so many. Insert random adjective you can think of. Jumpy metal. That's probably a genre. I just made it up. It's probably a genre. Metal is huge. And I, I've said it time and time again, not so much on display tonight, but the vast majority of metalheads are the nicest people in the world. Indeed, um, as, as we were standing there, there's a couple of dudes like tapping me on the shoulder behind me. And they're like, do you play Sea of Thieves? And I was like, yeah, I, play, I played Sea of Thieves. And they're like, fuck yeah, man, I love Sea of Thieves. Pirate shit. You know, Ailstorm is a, is a pirate metal band. There you go, pirate metal. Everything's metal. There's, all, there's metal for everything. And, um, you know, metalheads are super nice. A buddy of mine a long time ago pointed out that it might not be that metalheads are nice, but I'm nice and people are nice to me because I'm nice, um, which there's probably something to it. But I still maintain that metalheads are the nicest people in the world. 
You you can't go wrong. I remember when I was like a sophomore in high school, little little baby Andrew, and I went to see Motorhead for the first time and last, unfortunately, but first and only time I ever saw Motorhead. And we're me and my buddy, also like kind of small, are standing in this fucking queue full of these gigantic biker dudes, like six foot nine, eight hundred pound, like these enormous fucking dudes. And um, when we get in there, instead of like pushing up against like the, the the fence and stuff, they actually let like me and my buddy in because we were smaller and we weren't have been able to see over these giant dudes. And they like protected us from the mosh pit. Super nice. They were super cool. And uh, I was deaf from that concert for four days because I didn't wear earplugs like a fucking idiot. Always wear earplugs at a show. I don't care who you're gonna go see. Get some earplugs, put them in your ears, and fucking protect your ears because. That shit gets loud. Or use what I use. I use in-ear headphones. I just put those in and those work a treat. So get some earplugs. I don't care who you're going to go see. Just do it. Um, but Glory Hammer was wonderful. There's this little... They almost reminded me of Tenacious D with the theatricality and all the characters and stuff. And at one point during Legend of the Astral Hammer, they're like singing the song and this dude comes out in like a goblin mask and he's dancing around with a hammer. The lead singer like fights him and gets the hammer away and everybody cheers. And it's, it was just... Oh, it was great. Oh, it was great. I imagine um, Ailstorm was probably similarly theatrical. Um, I won't know because I didn't stay to watch him, but this was the first um, Glory Hammer North American tour. So that's awesome. I, I can't wait for them to come back to a bigger venue with chairs. I think that'd be wonderful. And like I said, I'm not too concerned about not seeing Ailstorm. I paid to see him and I saw the lead singer as the keyboardist for Glory Hammer. So fuck it, I saw him. You, know, like, you pull up a music video and you get, you get the gist. And, um, you know, they're amazing musicians and I love them to bits, but they're not a band I need to see live, especially in El Corazon. But now I'm just repeating myself. Um, it was a great night. I'm glad I'm actually able to go home and get to sleep at a reasonable hour and wake up tomorrow for work, uh, where I'll probably get yelled at from a coworker who was also at this show and who probably stayed to the end. Um, and you know what? More power to him. I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to have a great night. Um, but I'm, I'm exhausted. I woke up stupid early and really tired. Um, I will say that the quality of the Glory Hammer shirts feels higher quality than the Unleash the Archer shirts, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, and I saw, I don't understand this. When people buy concert t-shirts at the concert and then wear it, I'm like, I know it's new, but I like to wash my shirts at least. Like, get a get a cursory wash in before I put these on, so. Like, I could buy a concert t-shirt, throw it straight in the wash, and I'll wear it later. Um, that's that's always been my motto, so. But, uh, but yeah, it was a ton of fun. I, I, I think that's it for concerts this year, to be honest with you guys. That might be my last planned show. Um, I mean, if anybody cool comes around, I'll see them for sure. But in terms of like the next couple of years, the next concert's the New York City one in September of next year. So a year out from now, I'll be in New York City. I'll be in New York City seeing a concert. Oh, donkey! I'll go and see an opening band, donkey! I like that boulder. That's a nuts. I know I'm quoting Shrek, but I'm gonna go um, do some driving here. Uh, probably go home, take a shower, edit and upload the podcast. Um, gotta slap this shit in there. And uh, you know what? I think it's time for the next thing in, in the podcast. I don't know what it's gonna be. It's gonna be a complete mystery for me, but you'll find out. And I can't wait for you to listen to whatever nonsense I've got to say next. Recently, one of my favorite shows of the summer, American Ninja Warrior, came to a close. And it's always sad when the season ends. Um, I love the ride right from beginning to end. I love seeing old favorites, seeing new faces, learning their stories, and watching the tremendous highs of them hitting red glowy buttons for glory, and watching the tremendous lows of people just eating it, just right out the, you know, oh man, I can't believe I'm finally here in America. Splash! I love it all. I love every second of it. And always the big bummer for me with Ninja Warrior is that, uh, you know, it's over and then you got to wait to next season. And I know a lot of people feel like that, especially when Ninja Warrior is one of those shows where you don't really get like the expected finale. American Ninja Warrior doesn't always end with a winner, which I think, which is probably one of the reasons why I love it. You know, in all of American Ninja Warrior, two people have technically climbed Mount Midoriyama. They did it both in the same season. One dude did it slightly faster than the other dude. So he won the money. Um, and I always thought that was dumb. But one person has won American Ninja Warrior in the 10 seasons it's been on. So, you know, out of all the seasons, only one person has done it. So it's always exciting. It's like, is this the year someone else is going to conquer the mountain? That kind of stuff. 
And um, finally, Universal decided to uh, to help us bridge this gap. To bridge the American Ninja Warrior gap by bringing us something brand new. And quite possibly will become my most like my number one show of 2018. Especially if it's good. But a quick little side note. I'm a big fan of Chopped. But you know what I'm an even bigger fan of? Chopped Jr. That's right. I love it when kids try to do just these incredible things with food and just fail spectacular like uh it's you know when they when they succeed it's awesome and when they fail it's awesome i love it so american ninja warrior finally took that step that delicious next step bringing us american ninja warrior jr holy crap i'm so excited so here's how it breaks down i've got an article pulled up right here american ninja warrior jr is going to have three age brackets where they're going to divide them up the course is set up, according to this article, it's set up in like a race style. So two people or two kids are going to run the course at the exact same time, kind of neck to neck, racing each other through the course. The age demographics break down are ages 9 to 10, 11 to 12, and 13 and 14 year olds. So I'm really curious to see what the obstacles are going to be. It gives us a couple of lists here. It gives us the Sonic Swing, TikTok, the Spin Cycle, and the Warped Wall. The current war wall in the last season was 14 and a half feet. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google these things. It's They're very cool. They're ninja obstacles. Um, I don't, I mean, like, a, like you know, growing up struggle with that wall. So I imagine, I imagine the obstacles are going to be, the, the distances between jumps will be smaller. The height of the warped wall will be shorter. Like those sorts of things. Because kids are smaller. So the obstacles have to be smaller. So it'll be kind of a shrunk down version of American Ninja Warrior. But I'm very excited. Of course, you gotta love... So the age limit for American Ninja Warrior, like the, the main one, is 19. Like, that's how old you have to be. And of course, the age limit here is like, you can't be over the age of 14. So 15 to 18-year-olds can't do jack squat when it comes to American Ninja Warrior. And what, they're gonna roll out American Ninja Warrior teen? No, I don't think so. I think they're just gonna wait till they're old enough to compete in the real American Ninja Warrior. But this com this combines my love of American Ninja Warrior and kids either being really amazing at things or being really terrible at things. The ones that are kind of in the, like in the mid grind, it's just like, all right, well, you did most of the thing, I guess. So you know, good job, Bobby. Um, I'm very excited, and um, not to not to disparage the host uh, or one of the hosts of American Ninja Warriors, but. Uh, the sideline uh, host for American Ninja Warrior Jr. is going to be uh, Lori Hernandez, who was one of the gymnasts, gymnastics, gymnasts in the uh, 2016 Summer Olympics, uh, and she brought home a gold medal. So very excited to see her and her kind of upbeat, peppy attitude, especially with the kids. I think I think she's a natural fit for that. I'm very excited. So this all goes down on October 13th. On Universal Kids, make sure you have that channel if you want to watch it. I don't know why I'm like I'm plugging it like they're paying me. They're not. I wish they were. Um, but I'm very excited to watch it. And don't worry, since they're not paying me, if it sucks, I'll let you know. So, but I am excited. I am excited. It's a brand new show. Gets that Ninja Warrior itch for me. Um, and since I so I, um, as a real quick side note, I've loved American Ninja Warrior, and I guess the next logical question would be, would I ever want to compete on it? I would love to compete on it, but I just went rock climbing today, and since I put on like ten pounds of muscle, it's it's a challenge. Like any rock uh, climbing route where it was like an overhang, even a little bit, I'm like hauling my two hundred pound ass up that wall, and it it's tough. It's really tough. So I think I would struggle a lot on American Ninja Warrior, especially with those up, upper body things. It's not like I don't have the strength to do it. I just don't have like the the endurance and the the stamina to pull off some of those things. Um, I imagine my body would give up pretty quickly. So you know, I uh, I will let the pros do what the pros will do, and I'll watch these kids attempt to do what the pros can do, and I think I'll just have a grand old time just working out on my own uh so that's a that's it for uh ninja warrior hour and um i think we'll move on to the next thing in the podcast so a long time ago you may recall that i was talking about my love for the adventure zone the good good mcelroy brothers and their dad just playing D D and having a grand old time 
And back in early summer, a thing came about that I was very excited about. There was a company out there called Mysterious, Mysterious Package Company. And what they do is they send you either one or two or five packages of stuff. Usually puzzles and riddles, uh, things of that ilk. Uh, to tell a story and it's very cool it's like a fun it's like a monthly little puzzle thing that you can kind of scratch your head and figure out and they were doing one with the adventure zone and it was called tacos correspondent school of wizardry cantrips and other magics and i was like done give it to me give me the thing and the first box first of two boxes actually first of three boxes um that i'm aware of has arrived now I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, in hindsight, I probably should have expected something along these lines. Uh, and it's not to say that what the box is is bad. Far from it. I am enjoying it immensely. Um, and it's it's nice that... So, it is it's a it is a series of puzzles and riddles. Uh, the first one dealt with, like, code breaking. The second one deals with, um, uh, like, kind of uh, mazes and stuff like that. And uh, all these things are helping you to build the foundations of magic. And that's like what the story is and stuff like that. But I'm trying to attempt to finish these tasks without... It recommends using a pencil like on the paper itself. And um, I, I know my brother's a real big fan of the Adventure Zone. So I'm trying, to save, I'm trying to save this stuff in pristine quality. So that he can do it on his own later without seeing like my answers to things. Um, which makes solving things like mazes pretty difficult because I can't write on the actual maze itself. So I'm kind of tracing with like a pen cap trying to work my way through it. And um, with the maze thing, you have to find the shortest path through the maze and along the shortest path, you'll encounter runes that you then have to type in on the internet and you have to get all 12 runes exactly right. Otherwise it'll go meh and you did it wrong. And you don't know which are right and which aren't, which makes it pretty difficult. So, you know, I, and there's, I think there's like three other lessons in this box. There's, I think it's five lessons overall. I've only done the first, I've done, I've solved the first one and I'm working on the second one. Um, and it, it, you know, I could, I could peek ahead and see what the other three are, but I'm not going to because I want to do this legit and I want to do it right. So. I've got to solve the second one, which is a maze. But I can tell you what the symbols are. So the first one was an orange feather. And um, that one dealt with, I guess, calligraphy um, more than anything else. It dealt with like language and stuff. And um, the second one's uh, image was a green labyrinth and that deals with mazes. The third one is a blue fish. That could be anything. The fourth one is a purple wrench. And the fifth one is fire. So I'm not sure. But the purple wrench one feels like the heaviest. So I'm very excited to see what's inside of these. But a second package will show up much later on. And based on how I'm comp how I'm understanding the uh, the um, whatchamajigger. The website, this was the envelope package. And the second package is actually quite large. And I'm very much looking forward to it. But um, let's see. Uh, sorry, I just found a note at the bottom of the box. I'm just going to read this aloud. <clears throat> Howdy, boys. How y'all doing? Great job saving the world a few months back. Guessing we pissed off some kind of big outer space demon or something? Whatever it was, it did a real number on this humble little holler of a town. Tourism's never been a big draw for refuge, but don't... But don't... Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, this is Cassidy. All right. <clears throat> but don't nobody want to come to a town that done got all blown up. I got some bad news. Diamond mines all dried up, and we've invested most of what we pulled up on, well, a bunch of junk, really. Got a monorail going in town, which, looking back, we probably didn't need. I put a lot of our finances in root beer barrel futures, which didn't exactly pay out. Folks weren't too pleased about that one. Next election's looking mighty grim for old Cassidy, I tell you. Anyway, the good news is we came across an old mining ledger with the hope of refuge township. There's a vault hidden deep. Like real deep in the old mines where some shady excavator squirreled a cache of diamonds away. Problem is they embezzled the ever living hell out of their hall and I can't even get the ding in the dang front door. That tried blowing it up and get this, it won't blow up. Front door is covered in some scratchy knoll writing and some riddle I don't understand. I'm positively spooked by this magical door, y'all. Hoping you can lend a hand to refuge one more time and help get our town up and running again. 
I'd say I'd be willing to negotiate a cut of diamonds that you recover as payment for your assistant, but I'm guessing you're just going to keep a bunch of them without telling us anyways, so I ain't going to waste my ink. Hope to hear from y'all soon. Our post office is pretty exploded at the moment, but I'm sure you'll reply and it'll get back to me somehow. Your pal, Mayor Cassidy. Interesting. So I'm guessing that's what the second box is about. Man, this shit's cool. Oh, I'm loving the hell out of this. I'm loving the hell out of this a lot. So I look forward to doing the other three lessons. Um, Kind of a bummer. Uh, if this sounds interesting to you, you can't get this anymore. Um, Which... I'm sorry. Um, it was pre-orders only, uh, so you cannot get this anymore. Uh, but they do have others over on on Mysterious, Mysterious. Uh, why do I keep seeing Mystery Package Company? Mysterious Package Company. They got others. They got stuff that they're they're so like continuously there. Um, so if this sounds like something you're interested in, I would encourage you to go over and check them out. There's a lot of puzzle boxes that they got, and they're making tons more. Um, I like to think of it as like an escape room that comes to your house, just like in a puzzle sense, you know. Um, and I do like puzzles, so. It is. It has been a lot of fun, and um, I look forward to doing doing the other couple of lessons and seeing what the next box is. Oh, and earlier I mentioned that there are three packages, and the reason being for that is that there was an add-on that you could get um, called like Taco Sizzling School of Cooking or something like that because Taco is like a TV chef turned wizard. Um, and I don't know what that is, but I'm hoping for a bunch of recipes that I can legitimately make. That's what I'm hoping. Um, I'm, I'm envisioning like a giant Blue Apron box full of shit. I'm very excited about that. So we'll see what that one brings as well much later on when that eventually arrives. I imagine the sizzling chef thing will come after the completion of the Taco School of Amazing Magic and Wonderment. Or, as it's actually pronounced, Taco's Correspondence School of Wizardry, Cantrips, and Other Magics. I have to keep looking at the lid of the box because I don't remember, don't remember what this thing's actually called. But that is... All I had to say on that front, it's very cool. I can't wait to finish it. I'll probably talk about um, the uh, the rest of it uh, in a couple of weeks. I don't want to talk about it right now because it's pretty fresh. And I want people to try to figure out these puzzles for themselves. But uh, in like a week or two, I'll probably just give you a quick rundown of kind of what all the puzzles were and stuff like that. And how I went about solving them. Because um, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I'll be honest. I really am. And you know what? I think that'll do it for this segment of the podcast. Let's move on to the next one. Let's keep going. Well, it's another week, and we all know what that means. That's right, three brand new Harry Potter chapters. I don't know why I'm always so aggressive when I'm talking about this. I got three new chapters for you guys! Chapter 1, Chapter 10. It's the Marauder's Map. Chapter 11, the Firebolt. And Chapter 12, the Patronus. A lot of stuff goes on in here. Not the least of which is my incredible rage at Hermione for being an interfering shrew. But I'm just going to let bygones be bygones and let you guys listen to my on-the-cuff reactions as Hermione is an interfering shrew. But that is not the subject of today's highlight. Not even close. Today's highlight comes from my poor improv skills and how I cannot come up with 12 interesting things to say at one time. I think I stop after like three or four. But uh, you know what? Let's just listen to my, uh, my quick little riff here and see how well I do. However, we must register our concern about the hippogriff in question. We have decided to uphold the official complaint of Mr. Lucius Malfoy and this matter will therefore be taken to the community committee community committee for the disposal of dangerous creatures the hearing will take place on april 20th and we ask that you prevent yourself and your hippogriff at the committee's office in london on that day in the meantime the hippogriff should be kept tethered and isolated yours in fellowship there followed a list of the school governors by the following names of bumbling bill water john stone uh spruce mcduggan fuck how many school governors are there there's 12 uh rodney danger dick uh King's Dominion Amusement Park. Um, uh, I'm like looking at things in my room. Vox AC30. Um, classic Didario. And Indiana Jones apparently. Followed by some others. Didn't, didn't do very well. To be honest, that was, um, that, was a poor, that was a poor effort on my part. I'll do better next time, I promise. Three brand new Harry Potter chapters land every single Wednesday night when I get home. Uh, the exact time varies, but we got three this week. We got three next week. We had three last week. That was, those were good ones. It was very exciting. And uh, we're just plowing through this book. I only got a quick little math in my head. A couple, maybe a month left of book three. I got to start planning my video for book four. Hmm, interesting. I've got a couple of good ideas though. 
pretty excited about it, especially because book four is going to carry us through to the next, to 2019. We'll be listening to book four deep into the holidays, out the other side. Book five will probably start sometime February, March-ish, in that neighborhood of year, month stuff. Um, but you know what? We're still pretty firm in book three. Harry's got hair growing in some places, and he's starting to realize the chicks are awesome. So, you know, good on him. Good on you. Good on your boy. Go on. Go on and get out there and find your. You find your god, Pappy. He's a cool dude. He's played played by Jim Gordon. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. And finally, this week, I would like to talk about something that affects us all. But it really, you take it for granted. You really do. And that is the need for a good night's sleep. And for this, I'm going to use my sleepy time voice because I'm real tired. And I think I'm real tired because I haven't been getting enough sleep lately. Sleep's super important. You know why I sleep's super important? Because without it, you'll go crazy. You'll go crazy and you'll start seeing and hearing things. It's true. You'll just get all them hallucinations all up in your day-to-day life. And that's not good for nobody. So here's my advice for you. Number one. We all got these smartphones that live in our pocket 24-7. It's important to not look at that little bastard when you're in bed. Because then your brain keeps going. Finish all your phone stuff before you actually lay down into the bed. Okay, the bed's for sleeping time. They ain't for looking at your phone and doing the Twitters and doing all sorts of other crap. You can do all that stuff before you go to bed. Number two. I know a lot of people say not to because it'll it'll kind of wake you up and stuff. And um, that's all fair and whatever. But I find it works for me. So maybe it'll work for you too. But if it doesn't, do stop. And that would be to work out before you go to bed. I find that working out kind of gets the energy from the day out of my system. I can take a, uh, a shower afterwards and I'm all clean and stuff. That way I'm clean when I get into bed. Super nice. Um, big fan of that. Uh, number three, make sure you get the right amount of sleep. I'm not going to say get eight hours or nine hours or 12 hours because the right amount of sleep is different for each person. So you need to just kind of figure out how long you need to be asleep for it. Like I've been able to function off of like six to five hours of sleep every now and then. That's not sustainable over long periods of time, but I can make it, I can make it work. Okay. I can, I can get through a day. So it's important for you to figure out how long you need to sleep. So best advice for that would be when do you need to wake up the next day? If you time it right, you'll complete your um, REM cycle. Um, which is like rested eye movement. I don't know. It's like the deep proper level of sleep where you actually get re-energized. You'll complete that right around the time when you need to wake up. Like I've gotten in the habit of waking up like five or 10 minutes before my alarm goes off, which is good because I'm naturally waking up. I'm not, the alarm is not screaming me awake. So that's a good amount of time to sleep. That kind of, that kind of thing. Number whatever this one is, you make sure you're properly supported. Okay. Sometimes you'll have like neck and back pain. Maybe that's coming from not enough pillows, you know, underneath you to gently cradle your body. If you got one of those cool adjustable bed frame majiggers like I got, where you can just actually just tilt your bed to be the proper supporting angle, make sure you utilize that. Um, and if you don't have one of those, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, nothing will save your spine faster than having an adjustable bed. And, um, you know, they're actually pretty inexpensive. I was able to get a brand new mattress and the adjustable frame, a queen mattress, nonetheless, for like 800 bucks. And that was all off of Amazon. The thing shows up and you inflate the mattress and then you build the frame yourself and it's super easy and it puts together in no time at all. And then you've got this cool adjustable frame that mine also has a USB port in it and it charges my phone in like six seconds. And it's incredible how strong this thing is. Um, so get one of those. I'd highly recommend that. Uh, use a, use some white noise. Um, I'm a big fan of utilizing a fan <laughs> uh, to be my white noise. When I was younger, I used to fall asleep listening to audiobooks, um, like Harry Potter and Aragon and stuff like that. And uh, I actually tried it the other night with my own audiobook. I was like, I haven't done it in a while. Maybe I'll fall asleep listening to my own audiobook. And um, that's no good because my brain thinks those words entering my ears are my own thoughts because it's my voice. And I, in my head, I sound like my own voice. And it kept going awake because my brain thought the words coming in my ears was me thinking constantly. And so it kept me up actually. And it really freaked me out after a while, once I realized what was happening. So if you do your own audiobooks, don't listen to them trying to fall asleep because you'll never fall asleep. You'll just stay up listening to yourself forever. Um, so I can't recommend that. Um, you know, you want to make sure you're properly temperature controlled. Um, oh, this is actually something I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty well versed in. Okay actual good advice here. Now I was just rattling off shit for sleep, but this is important. Okay. The optimum sleeping position is on your back. 
Okay, that is the best sleeping position. Ideally, there's a pillow under your knees. That's the best sleeping position. If you cannot fall asleep on your back, and I understand it's very difficult, it took me a long time to train myself to fall asleep on my back. The next best is on your side. Do not sleep on your face or your stomach. That is the worst sleeping position. It's terrible for your posture. It's terrible for your face. You won't sleep very well. And if you're anything like me, sleeping in any position besides sleeping straight up on your back, you'll be like kicking and squirming and you'll wake up in a nest of blankets and shit all twisted around you. And the way I fixed that of not moving around when I've been in bed is by sleeping on my back. I fall asleep on my back, I wake up on my back, and I haven't moved an inch. Okay, so that's legitimately good advice. Sleep on your back. It takes a while, okay? I, I won't lie to you. It takes a while to train yourself to sleep on your back. The key is to knock yourself out with exhaustion in order to sleep up on your back, okay? So run some laps, do a workout regime, or just go to bed like stupid late so you're bone ass tired. Then you can fall asleep on your back. That's, that's how you get it started. And then once your body has adjusted to sleeping on your back, because it takes a couple of weeks, uh, then you'll be fine. But that is that is the best sleeping position is on your back. If you have like back pain, neck pain, if your hands hurt, if your wrists are painful because of all the extended use of technology and all the stuff that we do in our day-to-day -day lives, sleep on your back. I cannot recommend that highly enough. And um, outside of that, things are all personal preference. Um, I haven't tested these yet, but I have seen a lot of ads for these things called gravity blankets, which are like weighted blankets uh, to help with like stress and anxiety. And um, I don't know about you, but I always love like the extra weight of blankets pressing down on me when I'm falling asleep. It, it's like comforting, you know? So either just pile up a bunch of blankets on your bed or get one of these weighted blankets. I'm pretty sure you could make a weighted blanket if you just got like some like fishing lures and just like tied it all around a blanket and just like plop that on your bed and it's just like weighted down. You can probably figure it out on your own, especially because the gravity blanket is pretty expensive. And I think it's just a bunch of like micro beads. I'm pretty sure you could make your own weighted blanket pretty easily if you really if you really wanted to. So I'd look into that if uh, if this sounds intriguing to you guys. But um, I think that's that's everything I have to say on the matter of sleep. It is very important. You want to make sure you get enough sleep a day. Make sure you drink a lot of water before and after you wake up to start your day off right. Your body needs a lot of water throughout the day and it's good to drink it before and after, especially because if you drink a lot of water before you go to bed, then you'll have to pee and you'll wake up and hopefully you'll have to pee right around the time when you're supposed to wake up anyway, so you can just kind of sync it up like that. So that's my that's my sleeping advice. And I think that'll do it for this week at the Going Cast podcast. If you have any sleeping advice, I want to hear about it. At goingcast.gmail.com, you can shoot me a quick little email so we can talk about some sleepy times. And uh, thank you all for listening. To this to this episode um i was actually a little afraid that i wasn't gonna be able to get this up in time but you know what i think i pulled it off i think i pulled it off which is pretty goddamn incredible oh thank you thank you all for listening enjoy your back to school times i don't know what else i talked about in this podcast i'll see you next week bye